Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the doxology of Book 2 of the Psalms as we pick up in Psalm chapter 72, verse 18. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Blessed be Jehovah God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. So this brings us to the end of the second book of Psalms. As we mentioned to you, the Psalms are actually divided into five books, and each of the books ends with a doxology. And here we find the doxology, the whole earth be filled with his glory, amen and amen. Just sort of, you know, the the capstone on the thing, the conclusion. And thus the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. So as we enter into book three of the Psalms, we now get into a series of Psalms that are ascribed to Asaph. Now Asaph was the chief musician. He was appointed by David as head over the musicians. Whether it is the name of an actual person or the title for the chief musician, is not known. It is quite possible that Asaph is just the title for the chief musician, and thus the Psalms of Asaph would be the Psalm of the chief musician and not necessarily of the same person. Some of these Psalms ascribed here to Asaph are Psalms that definitely go beyond the Davidic period of reign, even into the areas of the desolation. Psalms that were written after the nation of Israel was devastated by their enemies, which, of course, goes then beyond Solomon's reign. Psalm 73 begins with an affirmation of a basic foundational truth concerning God. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. It is important that we have basic foundational truths that are undergirding us. Because we all of us are going to face experiences of life that we will not understand. Hard, painful experiences. Experiences that will challenge God's goodness and God's love. If God is good, then why did God allow this tragedy to happen to me? If God loves me, then why would he allow me to have to experience this heartache? I do not understand all of the things that happened to me in life. And I have made it a practice 
Whenever I am faced with a situation I cannot understand, I fall back on what I do understand. There are certain foundational truths upon which I fall back when I am faced with circumstances that I cannot understand in my life. And what I do understand is that God is good, that God loves me, and that all things are working together for good to those who love God. And thus, by faith, I accept my adverse circumstances. Though I don't understand them, I accept them, knowing that it is God that has brought these circumstances. It is God who is in the control of my life. For I have committed my life to him. And I know that God is working in these circumstances, though they may seem bitter and adverse. Yet God is working a good and perfect plan in my life. And I just live with it. I just accept, well, Lord, I'll just leave this with you, that you will bring out of this your good purpose and your good plan for me. If I did not have the basic foundations underneath, then when the troubles come, when I get into these kind of circumstances, I would be totally wiped out. And you do see people that they seem to be really going great in their walk with the Lord, and then adversity arises, and they just can't seem to handle the adversity. The reason is that they have not really had a solid foundation in scriptural truth. These people who are being encouraged to believe God for healing in all circumstances, that give no place for any sickness. When sickness does come or when death does come, they're not able to handle it because they don't have a proper foundation in God's Word and in the truth. And thus, when the superstructure is shaken, they've got nothing to fall back on. Jesus said, a foolish man built his house upon the sand. A wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rain came, the floods rose. The house that was built upon the sand perished, but the house that was built upon the rock stood. Luke's gospel tells us, that the wise man dug deep and built his house upon the rock. And it is important that we lay a good foundation for our relationship with God, and that good foundation has to be based upon proper concepts of God that are brought to us through the Word of God. So, God is good 
I know that. I must remember that because that truth will be challenged by the experiences of my life. But underneath, I know that God is good. So the psalmist begins with that basic foundation. I know that God is good, but as for me, different story. My feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. I almost had it. I was almost wiped out. I was slipping. I was going under. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. We are told in the law not to covet. In the New Testament, we are told that envy is one of the works of the flesh. It is easy if I get my eyes off of God and onto people to become envious at the prosperity of the wicked. It would be exciting to have your own personal jet. It would be exciting to have a yacht all equipped and ready to go anytime you went down to the dock. They'd salute you and bring out your chair, you know, and, and you'd say, I want to go to Catalina this weekend or let's go to Baja or, or something, you know, and, and just to have the whole thing, you know, where, where you had that kind of power and possession. To have a beautiful estate with manicured grounds and you see these kind of things and when we have a hard time paying our rent we think it's not fair that those people can spend two million dollars for a stupid painting and I can't buy a Big Mac And we begin to be envious at the prosperity of the wicked. Here I am, Lord, I love you. I go to church faithfully. I pray, I pay my vows. I'm obedient. And yet I have this hardship. Yet I seem to always be in trouble. Financial problems. My kids are sick. And here are these people. They don't even think about you. They blaspheme your name. They're ungodly. They're unrighteous. And yet, they're blessed. They're prosperous. They have more than their heart could wish. And you start looking around at the inequities within the world, and it is difficult to handle. It would seem that if God is good, he would bless good people and smite the wicked. I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And then he begins to express the things that he was observing. Yet, it must be recognized and admitted that the things that he is saying about the wicked are not always true. 
But Satan has a way of putting and planting a thought in our minds and then building on it. And as he begins to build this thought in our minds, he begins to exaggerate the thing. So we begin to make rash statements of generalization that aren't really true. But I don't want you to tell me they're not true. I don't want you to tell me I'm generalizing because I'm upset and I want to just blow the thing, you know, blow it up bigger than it really is. And we do have a tendency when we are upset to blow the situation to a greater degree than is actually true. But that's just one of the games that Satan plays in our minds. There are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued as other men. Now, this is not true. Wicked people have weakness. They become sick. They become infirmed, just like everybody else. Therefore, pride compasseth them about, compasseth them about as a chain, and violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than their heart could wish. And yet these men are corrupt. They speak wickedly. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. They speak against God. And their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, as people return hither, waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. They've got all they could ever wish, but yet people are always bringing them gifts and, you know, catering to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? In other words, they deny the existence of God. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world, and they increase with riches. Now, the psalmist, upon looking at this and upon building this case in his mind, was led to false conclusions. And that, of course, is always the purpose that Satan has in building up in your mind situations like this. The purpose is to lead you to false conclusions. The false conclusion that the psalmist was led to is, Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain. Or, it doesn't pay to try to live the right kind of a life. It doesn't pay to be good. It doesn't pay to seek to be righteous. The wicked are the ones that get all the breaks. The wicked are the ones that have it made. It doesn't really pay to try to live right. I've washed my hands in innocency. For all day long, I'm plagued. I'm chastened every morning. I've got problems surrounding me all the time. Now, if I say I speak thus, then I would offend against the generation of thy children. And when I sought to know this, it was too painful for me. Life 
does have painful experiences. And there are some things that are so painful we don't like to think about them. In fact, there are some things that are so painful we've got to somehow put them out of our mind. When I sought to know this, when I sought to understand the things of my life, it was just too painful. I couldn't do it. It is wrong to think that you're going to understand everything that happens in your life, why it happened. We always seek and search for the rationale. Why God allowed a Christian lady to be raped and murdered in her own home. And so we try to rationalize. You can't. There's no way we can understand that. We know that God is good. Why God would allow that, we don't know. We can't understand that. There's no sense of trying to pretend that we do. There are many experiences that we will face in life that we do not understand. The ways of God or the wise of God. And so often a person comes up and say, says to me, Chuck, I don't know why God, and I say, don't go any further, I don't either. I don't know the whys of God. I'm not God. I, I can't tell you why God allows certain things. When I was first in the ministry, I was under a heavy heavy burden because I felt I had to have an answer for everybody because I was young. I, I just had, you know, people ask me questions. I had to have an answer. Even if I didn't know one, I had to figure one out, frame one under all kinds of pressure to give answers. I was trying to answer why God was doing various things. Thank God, now that I'm older, people don't expect me to know everything anymore. <laughs> and so I have a lot of questions that people ask me, and I just flatly answer, I don't know. And it's been so comfortable since I've matured to the place where I can answer honestly and say, I don't know. I don't know all the answers. Far from it. I do not know the whys of God. It's very hard because I do represent God to people. As a minister of Jesus Christ, I seek to represent him. And people say, but why did God allow this to happen to my little girl? Why did God allow this to happen to my wife, I don't know. Painful. I seek to understand it. It's too painful for me. And so the psalmist, his foot was slipping. He was almost gone. As his mind was dealing with these things, it just about wiped him out. Till I went into the sanctuary of God and then... I saw their end. Going into the sanctuary of God gave to him a broadened perspective. 
And that is always the chief value of coming into the house of God. The chief value of gathering together with the word of God is that we come into the consciousness of the eternal and our perspective is broadened. Because my problem in trying to deal with the issues of my life is that I'm always looking at them in the narrow perspective of today, tomorrow, and next week. The present discomfort that I feel, the present sorrow that I experience, the present hardship that I'm going through. And I'm always interested in immediate relief from this present situation, from the pain or the grief or the hurt. Whereas when God is dealing in my life, He is dealing with the eternal in view. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study, the book of Psalms, on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 72 through 73 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you. Oh, may God bless you and, and just fill you with the knowledge and the understanding of Himself that you may come to know Him in a deeper, fuller, richer way, that your life this week might just be enriched in all things in Jesus Christ and growing up in him to maturity. So God bless you in your walk and in your relationship with him this week. May it get better than it ever was before. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lord, I believe in you. I'll always believe in you. It is by faith that you've been walking into one level of spiritual maturity to another. Faith is the key to a successful Christian life. That is why the Word of God tells us without faith, It's impossible to please God. It was faith that led Abraham into the land of promise. 
It was faith that led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. It was faith that enabled Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. The question is, what might faith do in you? To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Faith, or to preview a chapter for free online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.